This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this Thursday, September 29th, we welcome you to Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us. It's Jesperson and Hicks with you. This show's going to move fast because... uh, well, we've got some uh, relatively late add-ons. We've had some developing news, and that means that we're uh, we're adding a couple names. We have added a couple names to the guest roster this morning, and uh, and I'm looking forward to checking in with uh, Professor Dwayne Bratt. You're going to say, "Hang on a second, uh, Doctor Bratt was just on the show, like just a few days ago. What on earth? Maybe a couple of days ago. What's he doing back on the show already? Well, f- since." Then, uh, between his last appearance and now, Dr. Bratt was served. That's right. He was served at a Mount Royal University function. It sounds like a function with the Faculty of Arts, uh, something along those lines. Well, he, he had a piece of pie in his hand, and he was mixing and mingling with his colleagues. And then he finds out he's getting sued. Well, what's he getting sued for? Well, there's been this story and for, for, for you know folks outside of the province of Alberta or, or for for the average person that doesn't get really super duper hyper into the political happenings and the stuff behind the scenes, this story may have been flying under your radar, but there's a, a private citizen uh, by the name of Cassandra Rogast, and she received uh, several voicemails, phone calls and voicemails. She characterized them as harassment. We're going to hear from her in just a moment on the show as well, allegedly coming from the campaign, the leadership campaign of, of probably the front runner in the race to become Alberta's next premier, Danielle Smith. And Cassandra's trying to figure this out, where these messages are coming from. It doesn't make much sense that these voicemails and these live calls would be coming from that campaign. Some of the stuff they were talking about, the words, the phrases they were using, like calling her a communist, it just didn't seem to make sense coming from a political leadership campaign. So she put these out. On Twitter, she was like, what's the deal with these? I'm trying to figure this out. What's going on with this? Well, guess what? One of the individuals that was implicated in this, at least by some of the comments around there, some of the allegations, some of the musings, has actually stepped up and characterized this as as defamation. He says he's suing a political operative by the name of Craig Chandler, who was Fired by the Danielle Smith campaign. As a matter of fact, Ms. Smith making that announcement herself just yesterday. So this is getting messy. And I'm grateful that Dr. Bratt and Cassandra Rogist have agreed to talk to us on the show. They're coming up in just a second. We're, we're going to get the details on this. This is what they call a slap action, right? A strategic lawsuit against public participation. And there's a lot of people around the world that have been calling for anti-slap legislation. It's easy to sue somebody. It's easy to file a claim. It's easy to make somebody's life difficult. It's expensive. It can be stressful for someone to defend themselves against a slap action. And maybe we'll talk to Dr. Brat uh, Cassandra about that as well. It's interesting to note that just yesterday, another one of the contenders in that leadership race, Brian Jean, announced his plans to introduce anti-slap legislation in Alberta. I suspect that the timing on that one is not coincidental. 
So Dwayne and Cassandra coming up in just a little bit. Then we're going to get to a, this is a segment prompted by a real talker, and I appreciate this by Lydia. I've got Lydia's email printed out here, and I'll read it just before we talk to Dr. Andy Knight. He's a Yale professor. Uh, he's also a distinguished scholar at the University of Alberta, and, he, and he's an expert in, in specific geographical areas, insights, including Canada's claim to the Northwest Passage. Now, it was under threat, it seemed, Canada's claim to the Northwest Passage several years ago, back in 2017, when then-Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, under the Trump administration, called Canada's claim illegitimate. Well, you hear from Lydia's email why we're teeing this up again, and I appreciate it. We ask you for your editorial suggestions here on the show, and, and, and when you live up to that and give us ideas to pursue, we love it. This one resonated, so Dr. Andy Knight coming up on the show, and then we're going to check in with our friends at Alberta Municipalities to wrap up this show. Kathy Heron, the mayor of the city of St. Albert, she's the president of Alberta Municipalities, and Dylan Bressy out of uh, the beautiful city of Grand Prairie, uh, a city councilor there for two terms, is going to be joining us. Dylan's a director with Alberta Municipalities. They just had like more than a thousand people get together talking politics, in particular municipal governance and relationships with the province just a short time ago. For, for, for a reference that I know a lot of you are going to understand or connect with, um, this was the conference where Jason Kenney went on his stand-up routine. You remember this one? The, the clips were making the rounds a few days ago. Everyone's going, well, where was this jovial, happy, hilarious, spontaneous Jason Kenny when he was premier of Alberta, right? On his way out the door, he's cracking jokes about missing Justin Trudeau, screening Justin Trudeau's phone calls, about being unable to control his UCP caucus, asking, was it too soon? I mean, the room was doubling over with laughter, but, but obviously they endeavored to get some work done there, too. And so we'll check in with those two with our Alberta Municipalities Roundtable. Plus, Real Talk will be observing the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation tomorrow, which means this is going to be our final episode of the week. Uh, and so that means we're going to present Trash Talk to wrap up this broadcast. It's coming. Uh, this is an email all the way from Australia. Marty in Melbourne. He's a real talker and he wrote in. It maybe doesn't necessarily qualify as a true trash talk. There's not a whole bunch of F-bombs. He's not calling people to the carpet. He's not ripping people a new one. But Marty recently visited our home province after five or six years away and had a few observations, and I thought it might be kind of a nice fit. So Marty in Melbourne will bring us home on this early week edition of Trash Talk presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. All right. In just a second, our lead story with Dr. Dwayne Bratt and Cassandra Rogus. But first, I want to remind you that our hashtag, where a lot of you are going to be chiming in on this, Real Talk RJ, it's powered by our friends at Park Power. And they want to remind you that as the temperature starts to drop right now, it's a perfect time to take a look at what you're paying for electricity and natural gas. You're probably about to use a whole lot more of it over these next number of months. Park Power makes it easy to compare rates on natural gas, electricity, and internet. If you bundle all three services together, you're going to save significant dough on administration costs. And don't forget, $70 is just sitting there waiting for you to claim the promo code 2022-REALTALK when you bring your business to Park Power knocks $70 off your first bill. Now, Park Power and Kubi Renewable Energy have a great thing going on as well. Uh, Kubi's been providing solar solutions for Canadians, in particular in BC and Alberta, for the past number of years. And with this Canada Greener Homes grant, that $40,000 interest-free loan from Ottawa, they're seeing more action now than ever. More and more Canadians putting solar panels on their roof. You can get your free quote today. They'll handle all the paperwork for you at kubienergy.ca. And once you've got your solar panels up, you're going to want to talk to, again, Park Power for their solar buyback program. They'll pay you more for excess 
less power than any of the big players. They guarantee it. At Friesen Brothers, they're getting set for a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. You know, that's coming up in in just over a week from now. If you don't yet have your plan figured out, can I recommend the Thanksgiving dinner box? $60, just $60 feeds four people. And we're talking the oven slow-roasted turkey, the loaded baked potatoes, you can get granny stuffing in on this. You're going to want to make sure you check out the roasted root vegetables. Our family got an early edition of it just last night. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it on your screen. That's what it looks like. Okay. $15 a person. Are you kidding me? Why would you do it from scratch yourself? Why not place your order today? You got about a week left to get those orders in via Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Well, this is our lead story uh, easily, and it's what people in the province of Alberta were talking about yesterday afternoon into the evening, and everybody woke up thinking about it this morning, I'm sure, because it's not every day. You see a known political operative actually suing a political scientist and a private citizen, but that's what's happening. So both defendants joining us now live here on Real Talk. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University, Dr. Dwayne Bratt, and Cassandra Rogist, who's uh, an entrepreneur. She's a politically engaged citizen. She wanted to let me know that she's volunteered in provincial politics and election campaigns over the past decade or so, and she employs 10 people. She's one of those that's helping drive Alberta's economy. It's great to see the both of you. Thanks for making time for us today. Dr. Bratt, you were the one that made the announcement yesterday you were being sued, or I guess you responded to Craig Chandler's announcement that he was coming for you. How are you wrapping your mind around this? It's somewhat of an unusual circumstance. It is a very unusual circumstance. Uh, I got served on on September 9th, but for a couple weeks prior to that, I had received emails from a law firm, and I can say this for the first time, Ryan, so you get the, the scoop. All right. It's uh, Guardian Law sent me a series of uh, emails calling for uh, a retraction and an apology. For those unfamiliar, the founding partner of Guardian Law is Jonathan Dennett. Okay. But when the suit came, he, his firm was not listed on this. Craig is suing me on his own behalf without legal representation. So the hard part was not being served. I kind of knew that that was coming in fact, for a variety of reasons. Um, it was staying quiet about this because I'm not known to be staying quiet, Brian, about things, uh, particularly of, of public interest. Um, but I, ha- I have a lawyer and I need to follow legal advice. And so two things changed yesterday. Change number one was um, on Facebook, Craig Chandler outed the suit. Um, so, you know, he made it public. And the second was our, my, because there's three defendants, the third one is Mount Royal University. Um, we filed their statement of defense the day before. And so that is the decision. That is why the timing came for me to talk about the suit. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't been talking about politics. I haven't been talking about the Smith campaign. I haven't been talking about some of the the videos that have surfaced around Jonathan Dennis. I just haven't talked about the suit 
until yesterday. And so that's the explanation for the timing. Okay. For anybody that doesn't, the name Jonathan Dennis doesn't ring a bell. He's Alberta's former justice minister, solicitor general, and, and he's just yesterday apologized. He says, if the videos of him are true, which is an amazing position to take, he says he may have been under the influence of alcohol when he was making prank calls, recorded doing so at a party a couple of summers ago, uh, imitating a, a, an indigenous voice and uh, representing himself as a as a treaty or uh, rather a First Nations spokesperson. Pretty damaging videos uh, for some context here in that. Danielle Smith was quick to note yesterday that Mr. Dennis uh, has played no official role in her campaign. Maybe there will be more and, on that later. And, and one of those, the first video to surface uh, included Dennis and Craig Chandler. Correct. And Craig Chandler now who is suing you. And your co-panelist here, Cassandra, who's making a Real Talk debut this morning. Yeah, uh, Cassandra, Cassandra. It, it, it's great to have you here. This is, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be going, okay, I understand this guy puts a target on Dwayne Bratt's back. He doesn't like what Professor Bratt's saying. He, you know, he's not afraid of a little publicity, but, but you, you're, a, you're a private citizen. How, how did you get dragged into all this? You started getting these phone calls. Yeah, I would. I, I don't know how I got dragged into it. I, I literally answered those calls I was genuinely confused so I threw it on Twitter Twitter will always answer you and I wanted to know if anybody else was receiving this type of harassment um, and from there it, it just Twitter put it together I never once named anybody as the individual calling me Twitter put it together Okay, so people can follow you on Twitter at this is me, Cassie, and you've posted in particular that I've seen three either live calls or voicemails that you received. We don't have the time to play all of them, but let me basically say they're calling you a call. They're representing themselves as calling from the Danielle Smith campaign. Uh, they're thanking you for a donation of the campaign, which you insist you didn't make. They're thanking you for your support of the Alberta Sovereignty Act, which you insist you don't. Uh, and, and then they start sort of dragging in some other interesting elements. We do want to play one portion to give people an idea of what you're talking about. What you're about to hear is a voicemail that was received by our guest, Cassandra Ragus. She's posted it to the public domain. You can hear it for yourself again many times on Twitter. Here's here, here's a portion of what she's been receiving over the past little while. 
So, Dwayne, we do know that up until yesterday, Craig Chandler was in charge of running the phone banks. He was he was he was he was quarterbacking Danielle Smith's phone game. Correct. Yeah. Now, now, how can anybody yeah. deduce that he was involved in this or not? This is where it gets a little bit delicate, right? This is this is where oh, Cassandra, you got your hand up. Why don't you take this one first then? I think it would have served better to play the first message that was left to me with the voice of Ernie. You're talking about uh, think, uh, the man who purports to be from Satina First Nation. Yes. And I think that that is how Craig Chandler would have become in, involved. Okay. Based on the videos we're seeing on online of okay. Jonathan Dennis. I'm not saying it's him. I'm simply saying that's how the connections, I think, have all come together. Okay. It's a male voice that that's 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 purporting to be from Satina first nation. They call you a racist uh, in the voicemail. Uh, Dwayne, how are you wrapping your mind around this, this kind of stuff? Like it doesn't, it it seems to be somewhat of a a shooting oneself in the foot kind of a move. If you indeed are from the Danielle Smith campaign, am I trying to make sense of something that makes no sense whatsoever? It it, it makes no sense. Uh, As my, this has, this case has no merit whatsoever. So it has shifted. Uh, since uh, the the comments that I made in, I I believe, about August 22nd, the day after uh, Cassandra received these these phone calls. And I engaged with Cassandra that night because it it sounded plausible. Um, The initial call sounded exactly like what you would hear from a campaign. They start off very nice. They identify themselves. They're asking for your support, blah, blah, blah. And it's only when Cassandra responds, well, I'm not a member of the party, I'm not supporting Daniel Smith, that the whole thing turns. Uh, And then you see, you know, the subsequent uh, calls occurring. So when I went and spoke to the media, they called me, you know, the following day uh, about this. Uh, I said, because Daniel Smith had come out the next day and said she completely denies any involvement of her campaign, that it must be some sort of prank call. And my position was, well, just because you deny it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's true. You know, we have had people go to jail uh, over phone call messages during election campaigns, the, the robocalls episodes uh, in uh, the 2011 campaign, for example. Uh, and often campaigns will, will deny something until they actually admit that it, it is true. And so I was very careful in, in how I worded this because... This is not the first interview I've given. And I said, it might be from the Smith campaign. It might not be from the Smith campaign. But if I was going to you know, try to make the Smith people look bad, I would have done a lot worse. I would have made it much more racial. I would have made it more vulgar, uh, maybe misogynist or what have you. Uh, you know, if I was another UCP campaign or an NDP or, or someone who just hates Smith. And so I said, it might be. It might not be. Then I was asked about Craig Chandler and I was careful. And I said, you know, Craig has a very bad track record. And all you have to do is Google Craig Chandler and you'll see the whole series of episodes, including, uh, you know, when Ed Stelmack refused to sign his nomination papers because he had given a interview where he said, if you're coming to Alberta, vote conservative or don't come here. This is conservative country. Mm. And Ed Stelmack refused to uh, sign his uh, nomination papers. Uh, and there's been a series of other controversies involving Craig Chandler calling Earls a terrorist organization and, and things like that. 
Like the Earl's restaurant? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. But I didn't get into any of that. I just said his track record. And so I said, it might be Smith. It might be Chandler. It might not be. We simply don't know. But there's enough smoke here to warrant an investigation from the party. That was pretty much it. It was a one-day story. Um, I spoke to C uh, CTV Calgary about it. Never mentioned Chandler. Uh, I spoke to City TV Edmonton, where I did mention Chandler, and it showed up one day and never showed up again. Um, but I'm being sued for damages that somehow Craig and his company were about to receive, you know, business contracts until the potential person read a comment from Dwayne Brad on City TV online and said, well, I can't give you this contract. Like, mm. it just it doesn't make any any sense what it's designed to do is is shut me up is to censor me uh that is the very definition of a slap lawsuit and uh it, it's not working no it's, it's uh, and, not and, working and so that's the that's what i spoke about that's what i'm being sued about but as the weeks have progressed more and more information is starting to come out that it could very well have been a prank call and it might have been a prank call by Jonathan Dennis um, and be given that you know uh, we see a number of other videos with Dennis doing this voice one of the voicemails that you haven't played that that Cassandra received is a guy by the name of Ernie Scar um, you know from um, which is a whole other story around the Brockett 99 phenomenon uh, right. that apparently Jonathan Dennis likes to play and Craig Chandler is involved in the phone bank so you know, uh, Smith fired him because of that, not because of anything I said. Let's be clear. Or me. Uh, it, he got fired because of this this video that surfaced afterwards. So, you know, my lawyer has these videos. She thinks it really helps our case. We didn't really need help in our case. This is all fair comment, um, including what I'm saying right now. Yeah. And, and I will add, City TV was never sued. Usually when you're filing a defamation suit, you sue the outlet that published the comments. Sure. That's not the case now. And so you have to ask yourself why. And one of it is who owns City TV? Rogers Communications. They have pretty deep pockets, much deeper than Dwayne Brad or Cassandra does. Yeah. Uh, Cassandra, are you, are you like, how, how are you feeling about this? I mean, you, you, you seem to be pretty well, even keel right now. Are you stressed out? No, <laughs> not at all. Um, what I'm stressed most about is Craig Chandler stalking me to serve me. That, that gives me trepidation. Just like, I'm always looking around. <laughs> right. Um, did you, was I there, did, did I understand, was there some research that was done? Either you or somebody else did some digging with regards to the, the, the phone numbers, the sources of these calls and some lines that were drawn from like point A to point B. Did you have any insight on where the calls may have been coming from? I didn't make the connection, but Twitter did. Okay. And it, Mike Teriango, I think is how you say it, um, from Osteria in Kensington, uh, Calgary here. He's a lawyer. They're best friends with um, Craig Chandler and Jonathan okay. Dennis. Where his birthday party was just held, Jonathan Dennis. And, and why are you naming that? Is there, you're saying that's where the phone calls were coming from? I'm just saying that's what I know. Okay. That's all I know. All right. What so I do know is Carly Robinson, who in... Who, who interviewed both Dwayne and I sent me a message yesterday okay. from city TV in Edmonton and said, 
What you said on the record was that you believe these calls fit the MO of someone, not that they were the one calling. You never used a name. So not really sure why I'm being sued. Okay. Well, I mean, you you hope that something like this makes its way quickly through the courts and is thrown out if there's no merit to it. But that doesn't mean that you don't incur some cost. Doesn't mean that it can't be stressful. Doesn't mean that it's not a waste of your time. Uh, Dwayne, it is prompting a bigger conversation. It serves as yet another reminder of of how slap action is used to intimidate people and and to shut them up, right? And and um and I think that that's a conversation a, a, a bigger and and especially relevant conversation for members of the general public. Cassie's a clear example here. Like how is she being dragged into this? Why are you being dragged into this? It makes no sense what forever uh, whatsoever, but it's easy for someone like Mr. Chandler to do this. Yeah, it it is um and it's not about winning the suit. It's about causing stress, aggravation, time and especially money to the defendants. Uh, it's much tougher to prepare a statement of defense than a statement of claim, because the statement of claim, you just put out a bunch of you know, allegations and, and pick a number of what the damages are. Um, but the longer you go down, the more complicated it, it becomes. And so it's not, the reason you launch a slap isn't necessarily to win the suit. It is to drive costs for the person that you're you're opposing. And it's usually for people with, with deep pockets. And I don't know how deep the pockets are of, of Craig Chandler, but he does have other resources, other legal resources, friends and et cetera, um, uh, going on. And so several other provinces, Ontario, BC, have anti-slap legislation, which involves allowing the uh, a judge to dismiss this early on in the process so it doesn't drag out if certain conditions are met that if the defendant wins the case, there's a greater likelihood of costs being awarded. In other words, the legal costs of the, of the defendant uh, being brought forward. We don't have that in Alberta. Brian Jean called for that uh, yesterday. Um, I think others need to be going on this because this is, this is not good no matter where you sit on the, uh, the political spectrum. If you are a freedom of speech advocate, you should be in support of, of anti-slap legislation. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I, I and I put a link to a short explainer from um, what was Ryerson, now Toronto Metro University, uh, to one of your emails. You might want to put that up. You know, it's it's short. It's about one, two pages long for people to read about this. Okay. What we'll do is in you know most people are going to hear this later or watch this later. So in the description of this episode on YouTube and on the podcast, Cassandra will link to the three voicemails or the three recordings that you posted, uh, including the one that that you referenced this Ernie fell up and, and Dwayne will link to what you've provided us with as well. People can continue to follow the two of you on Twitter at this is me, Cassie and Dwayne Bratt. And we'll follow this story with interest. I appreciate you making yourselves available here to, to shine some light on this story. A lot of people are intrigued by it to be sure. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And I'm glad that the Cassie's on. Uh, we've been in communication at this first time we've actually done uh, an interview together. Um, and I just want to ask Brian, how many appearances do I have to do before I get a real talk uh, mug? Oh, I'll get you. I'll get, I'll, get, I'll get your. I'll get your hands <laughs> on a real talk coffee mug. Doc, no, I'll get. I'll get you. I'll, we can get you a real talk coffee mug if you keep showing up and bringing the heat, giving us exclusive and dropping bombs. You can get yourself a coffee mug. That's no problem. Thanks to the both of you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, you bet. Thanks, That's uh, Cassandra Ragist, uh, Thanks, a private citizen, entrepreneur, business owner that that is being dragged into this 
Anyway, uh, someone said, what's a slap suit? So it's a strategic lawsuit against public participation, right? So especially somebody that has the means or the influence or the ability to, to, to push you around, to intimidate you, to, to attempt to silence you can invoke a slap. It's a, they don't call it that. They won't call it that. Uh, but, you know, in this circumstance, it's a, it's a suit claiming defamation. So we'll see how this plays out and we'll keep you in the loop. Dr. Andy Knight in, in 60 seconds. Before we get to him, I wanted to remind you that if you're looking to upgrade your phone, you've got that iPhone or maybe you got that Android and you're getting ready to switch to iPhone. You've seen the light. Uh, you understand that the iPhone's the best phone on the market. <coughs> we know that. Why not check out Westworld Computers right now? Your Apple experts has the iPhone 14 Pro now in stock. People are loving this Pro Beyond plus the Apple Watch series, the Apple AirPods Pro. And don't forget, they're also overstocked on MacBooks, both the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro. They are your Apple experts at Westworld Computers. You can visit them in person or check them out online at westworld.ca. Hey, you've got just a short period of time left. There's another deadline, in fact, today with the Covenant Foundation Lottery. There's a series of deadlines, and the longer you wait to get your tickets, the fewer life-changing luxury items you stand to win. Right now, they've got a Maserati experience up for grabs. You win the car, plus a trip to the Maserati facility in Italy. How fabulous would that be? There's a 50-50. It's going to be well over half a million dollars. I wonder if that's going to hit seven figures. We'll find out. They've got trips and other experiences. And, of course, that $2.2 million dream home. Absolutely stunning place by Hillview Master Builder. All of this in support of the Misericordia and Grey Nuns Hospitals. You can get your tickets today at covenantfoundationlottery.ca and don't forget if you're one of those individuals or families that knows you've got an upgrade to your ride coming in the next three to six months maybe you got a new addition you need a little more carrying power with your vehicle or or maybe you're looking at what you're paying at the pumps and you want to maybe get into something a little more fuel efficient whatever your story is our friends at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge want to help you find the perfect fit you can shop them online today or you can go see them in person you know they've got this handy chat feature on their website you can talk directly to a member of their sales team from the comfort of your own home they've got a new and pre-owned selection that uh, demands your time if you're in the market for a new vehicle you won't get better service than you will at sherwood and st albert dodge all right well i'm looking forward to checking back in with uh, professor andy knight last time he was here uh he's a professor at yale, uh, yale university um he was helping us understand there were some similarities uh, an interesting parallel between russia's aggression in ukraine and what was happening at the Coots border crossing at the time outside lethbridge in southern alberta i mean he, he captivated us with his insights and so that's why we've invited him back on this one but first uh, the email that started the conversation, Lydia says, uh, real talk over a campfire just a short time ago, friends and I were playing DJ roulette. We're passing a phone around the circle, uh, teeing up some of our favorite classic Canadian tunes uh, via Bluetooth. It was an absolutely perfect evening. There was some Joni Mitchell, some Tragically Hip, some Sloan, and then the Stan Rogers classic Northwest Passage. Of course, more than half the circle seemed to remember the words, the lyrics, and it was a pretty memorable few minutes. But it also got me thinking about a news story I saw a few years back. Something about the U.S. calling Canada's claim to the territory, to the Northwest Passage, as illegitimate. Lydia wonders, whatever happened to that? There, there was talk of sovereignty and security and shipping routes and the Russians and the Chinese. She says, anyway, you often ask for segment ideas. Here's mine. What's new? 
with the Northwest Passage. Dr. Andy Knight, a political scientist, uh, the 2021-22 Fulbright Distinguished Chair in International Studies at Yale University. He's also a distinguished professor at the University of Alberta. Kind enough to join us this morning. It's nice to see your face again. Thanks for making time for us. How are you doing? Not too bad at all. Not too bad. But I have a, a bit of a cold, so my voice is a little bit hoarse. Well, uh, we won't, Andy, <clears throat> we won't keep you for too long. I want you to be able to, to, to recuperate and to recover quickly. But but I just love this email from Lydia because I remember the story, too. This was back under the Trump administration, right? This was then right. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. This was back in 2019. Uh, and right. he was in Finland. And he called Canada's claim to the Northwest Passage illegitimate. Uh, what right. led it, what led to those comments? Why were they significant at the time? And, and can you bring us for Lydia's benefit and the rest of us up to speed on where we're at right now? Well, you know, the, the Northwest uh, Passage is considered to be, uh, well, contested sovereignty. Um, uh, Canada has made the claim that this, this passage is, is actually part of Canada's internal waters because it runs through, as you know, the Canadian archipelago, um, those islands, in the north, uh, north, northern part of the Arctic, and uh, Canada has made that claim um, since 1880 uh, that this is internal waters, and it's been supported, in fact, by the 1982 United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. Uh, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. If you look at Article Eight of that convention, you'll notice that it supports the notion of internal waters of Canada because. Uh, if the, the the waters fall within Canada's um, uh, territorial claims uh, in in that part of the world, but Mike Pompeo, you're right. In 2019, he made the pronouncement that Canada's claim in a Northwest Territory um, and Northwest Passage is illegitimate, and that it should be considered to be inter international waters rather than internal waters. Now, you have to remember that the United States has not signed on to the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. So it's able to make that claim, you know, outside of the, 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 the convention that was passed by almost all countries of the world, uh, except for the United States and a few other countries. Um, so so this is where the controversy starts. Um, uh, we, we want to treat it as Canadian waters. Uh, obviously, it, uh, it has a, a number of uh, uh, benefits for us because we were, we were able to interdict ships that try to go through that passage um, uh, illegally. Um, if, and if the United States wants to sort of send ships through that passage, it's supposed to ask Canada's permission first. If the Chinese do that, it has to ask Canada's permission first. So that was the real reason why Canada has insisted on this claim uh, being the internal waters. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that makes it even more controversial now is uh, what climate change and uh, the 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 fact that um, uh, the ice that used to sort of protect that area uh, is now sort of slipping away, uh, disappearing uh, on on a daily basis. Um, so that um, uh, there there is a possibility now that ships could actually go through uh, that passage uh, without um, having ice breakers necessarily to get them through that passage. And this this poses problems, serious problems for uh, environmental threats. Um, uh, if ships go through that area, uh, possibility of oil spills happening, uh, the possibility that the fragile ecosystem uh, could be in danger in that area, and of course, all these things have an impact on Canada because Canada will be forced to uh, to pay for the damage that's done. Uh, so Canadian taxpayers should be worried about this as well. So I think this is one of the reasons why it's become controversial, and uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think this come back in the news again.
Can, I, I got to admit, this is maybe a little bit embarrassing for me. When you, you start you start talking about, uh, you know, that the ice is melting and ships might be able to pass through more easily. And I immediately think, well, what an economic opportunity for Canada. Uh, you look at the Panama Canal as, as as an alternative. I said, what an opportunity for Canada. And then you point out that, you know, it could mean significant environmental risk. And, 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 yeah. and you go, Oh yeah, right. There, there's that too. Uh, yeah. Is was was this um, was was Secretary of State Pompeo at the time taking the position of the Trump administration? I mean, is it demonstrably different under new Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and 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 the Biden administration? Or is this still does this still remain an issue? Is Canada's claim any more legitimate in in the purvey of the Biden administration, or or are we still in the same place? Well, I, I think that the Biden administration is a little bit more lenient in terms of, of accepting Canada's claim. Um, however, I think the United States as a as a country, uh, since it hasn't signed on to the United Nations Convention on Law to Sea, um, remains uh, uh, fairly firm to the position that this should really be international waters and not internal waters. I think that's the, the, the crux of the problem. Um, but I think the, 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 the um, the Biden administration is much more interested in sort of working out a deal with Canada. In other words, negotiating something with Canada, whereas the, the Trump administration was not. Mm. Uh, they were very firm on maintaining their position, um, saying that Canada's position was illegitimate. Um, whereas I think the Biden administration is much more compatible, I think, with the Trudeau administration here. And we'll try to sort of work out a, some sort of arrangement. Um, it could be that they could it, it could be an agreement uh, that if any ships pass through the, the region uh they will ask kindly ask canada's permission first before passing through i think that could be one way to deal with this mm. um which would in a, in a way acknowledge the fact that this is really part of canada's internal waters uh, vladimir putin i think grabbed everybody's attention stranglehold style last week when he insisted that he was not bluffing about Russia invoking its nuclear arsenal uh, to deal with those that would interfere with its claims to territory in Ukraine. And, and everybody's looking at what's happening in Russia right now and and wondering what Putin's future ambitions might look like. I'm not suggesting that Canada should brace itself for a Russian invasion in the next month, uh, but is that more relevant, the security angle, uh, including the Arctic now and Canada's claim to some of that territory, considering who's calling the shots with Russia right now? I think it, I think it is. And in fact, it sort of links to the work I was, I've been doing at Yale, uh, trying to understand this, what I call the interregnum, this period of time where we are moving from one world order to the next. Um, and I think it's during that period of time that you find uh, that these claims are are, are, are are going to be exacerbated by uh, by Russia, by by um, by China, um, uh, the United States, in, in, in particular, too. All the major powers uh, will, will probably um, bring these things to the table uh, in a much greater way. So there is a tension that the tension that's going on right now um, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, is it could actually actually spill over into other areas as well. And I think this is one of the challenges that we have during the interregnum. Mm. Uh, Dr. Andy Knight, Yale University, University of Alberta. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you for fighting through the sore throat to bring some uh, light to this. Lydia's email jumped out at me, and I was like, you know what? I, I love that type of thing. It's not necessarily leading the headlines all the time, but I shared her curiosity of, of where it sits present day. And so we appreciate your insights and your availability. 
Not a problem at all. Thanks very much, Ryan. All right, Andy. Have a great weekend. Thanks very much. In just a second, we'll turn our attention to political stories a little bit closer to our own backyard. St. Albert Mayor Kathy Heron, uh, Grand Prairie Councillor Dylan Bressy joining us in just a quick second. These conversations happen because sponsors believe that real talk is important, informed conversations about issues that matter, and that includes the family-owned business, Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. I talk to you every single week about the health benefits we see with our own four-legged family members, Moses and Monroe. They both have different diets, right? When, when the Grand Dog team drops off at our door, the quality food for our two pups, they come in two separate boxes because they're two different orders. They have their own different supplements. Monroe's just three years old. She's in her prime, but she's got some gut issues. Moses has some joint and mobility issues. He's in the advanced age stage of life. You know, we found the perfect fit for their nutrition and their supplements in consultation with the team at Grand Dog Essentials. I mentioned that they're family owned because their level of service exceeds anything I would almost guarantee that you've experienced in past. Check them out today at granddog.ca. You can follow them on Instagram at granddog essentials. You'll learn something new with every post. Don't forget when you place your order for door stop delivery in in Calgary, Edmonton and central Alberta, the promo code real talk gets you 10% off your first order at granddog.ca. Also want to give a big shout out to our friends at apex automation. Uh, They really are looking for the brightest, most talented, most ambitious professional engineers in the country. As a matter of fact, I visited their headquarters a couple of weeks ago. There 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 were two engineers that had just moved here from China experts in a very specific field, a mathematical field that was allowing them to do work on a SAG-D plant. They're developing this software, stuff that's way above my level of understanding, but they showed off. I mean, if you're checking this out on YouTube, you can see it right now, their test facility. This is how they're automating uh, procedures and processes that would otherwise require human beings performing relatively mundane tasks and in some cases putting themselves in in the line of danger, right? Apex wants to make sure that the skilled professionals that are keeping Canada powered are finding the career fulfillment that they need. And you can learn more about the career opportunities at Apex by checking out apexautomation.ca today. And thanks to our friends at Eden Landscaping for the amazing work they've been doing through the summer. We hear from real talkers that have partnered with them saying their customer service unparalleled. They're bringing outdoor spaces to life and have been doing so for more than 20 years in Edmonton and area through the winter. They're going to be working on paperwork and planning. They're going to be ordering supplies for the projects they'll be breaking ground on in the spring. They're also going to be hiring If that rings a bell with you, if that's relevant to you, you're going to want to get in touch with Mike and his team today at landscapeedmonton.ca. That's the team at Eden Landscaping. Every couple of months, uh, we look to our friends at Alberta municipalities to to help us understand uh, the politics, uh, especially in areas close to home uh, for a big portion of our listening audience. You know, a lot of Western Canadians tune into Real Talk and download the podcast every day, and we're really grateful for it. The team at Alberta Municipalities, well, you, you might call them the straws that stir the drink. Uh, these are the elected councillors and mayors, the movers and shakers of Alberta's 
towns and cities. And that includes the president of Alberta municipalities, Mayor Kathy Heron. You've seen her on the show before, the mayor of the city of St. Albert. She's been the director with Alberta municipalities. She's also director of the Edmonton Metropolitan Region Board and the Alberta Recycling Management Association. So she knows what's up when it comes to the politics and the different levels of government. It's a pleasure to welcome Dylan Bressy to the program as well. He's a two-time city councilor in the city of Grand Prairie, re-elected in October of 2021. Uh, he moved to that city about 10 years ago, uh, eager to create community connections for young people. And he's raising his family there. He's been volunteering there. He started a business there. Uh, Dylan co-chaired the recent Alberta Municipalities Convention and Trade Show. That was last week in Calgary. More than a thousand people there. It's great to see both of your faces. Thanks for hanging with us for a few minutes. We went into overtime there. There's a lot going on right now, and we try to stay on top of it all. Uh, Mayor Heron, this this gathering down in Calgary just a short time ago, you had huge turnout. You got the Jason Kennedy stand up, uh, Jason Kenny stand up comedy show. I mean, there was a lot going on down there. Uh, first of all, what's the shirt? I can't see it. Thank you for asking. So this is a good friend of this show. Lou Jobs passed this uh, shirt along. And if we put it full screen here, I'll be able to stand up and and show it. It says, forget me not. And uh, Mayor, uh, this is uh, in specific reference to the survivors of the 60s scoop, uh, a stolen generation. And I think oftentimes as we approach, you know, tomorrow, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, the 60s scoop uh, is an era in Canada that that I'm not sure enough people are, are, are as informed as they need to be and that includes me and i'm grateful for their advocacy um there are some specific challenges that survivors of the 60s scoop are facing uh and um and i'm grateful for you asking about the shirt i wear it to prompt conversation and i hope that tomorrow as people focus on issues around truth and reconciliation that their focus includes the 60s scoop Agreed. And sorry to sidetrack the conversation. No, I'm actually really grateful that you did. And I appreciate it. Yeah, I was sitting in a teepee on Monday with um, out at Poundmaker, which is the site of um, one of the St. Albert's Indian residential schools with a survivor of the 60s scoop. So good stories, lots of actually lots of tears. So Mm. it's it's important. So thank you for that. Yeah. Anyway, back to convention. yeah, it was 192 municipalities from across Alberta were there, uh, like over 1,100 delegates. It's always fun. I always say that um, the elected officials in this province deserve a little bit of um, gathering and, and reflection and sharing of stories and a little downtime and a little partying. So it was it was all of that for my for my <laughs> my membership. Dylan was a fantastic um, co-chair. Uh, he he went on stage one day to Bohemian Rhapsody, which was my favorite part of the convention, poking a little fun at Trudeau, but just just all all in very much good fun. One thing I always say about the members and locally elected is we are nonpartisan. So you're right. We had Jason Kenny there and he got a standing ovation. He was quite funny. He was very relaxed. Um, Rachel Notley got a huge round of applause when she started talking about not bringing in kind um, of Alberta Provincial Police Force. Mm. And we also had uh, we had all the leadership candidates there doing a, a round table. And of course, Minister MacGyver, he's our municipal affairs minister. He was there all, I think he was there for four full days just hanging out and he got a standing ovation too. So it was, um, it was we, we express our love to all parties. Yeah. Dylan, I don't know. I don't know how I would wrap my mind. I'm going to host a lot of events. I moderate a lot of panels and I can't remember the last room I was in where Jason Kenny and Rachel Notley both got standing ovations. I like the mayor's insight in, into that. What did you take away from that? 
Well, you know, for me, it really is a room of over a thousand people that are passionate about their local communities. And I think we realize that there's partners at various levels of government. There's partners in various industries, all that bring different ideas and different hopes to them. But we're a group of folks that just want to roll up our sleeves and work with anybody that'll help us make our communities better. Yeah. Uh, I know that, you know, for the people that are watching this on YouTube, they're going to demand that I ask you about your background right now. Let's describe it for the people that are listening on the podcast. I don't know too much about disc golf. Uh, I, I, I fear that I can use the wrong word. Are those, uh, I, I wince as a, are those Frisbees on the wall behind you? Can you tell us what we're seeing there? Well, you have hit the nail on the head. I am a disc golf fanatic. You've got on one side of me, you've got four that are signed by various world champions. And on the other side, you've got discs from the Alberta Provincial Championships, which were hosted in Grand Prairie, the best disc golf community in Western Canada. I didn't somebody, I remember a story, I think we talked about it on Real Talk about a year ago. Didn't a professional disc golfer just sign a million dollar endorsement contract a while ago? That's right. Paul Macbeth. He's the green disc behind me. He's got a million dollars per year endorsement contract. Wow. That's just one of his sponsors. And that's just the minimum. Amazing. Okay. Let me, let me get focused again. I mean, <laughs> if anybody knows about my conversations with Kathy Heron, they, they are all over the place. And so we'll probably talk about a few other things. Uh, but, but let's get serious and talk about politics here on this show. A few days ago, we, we focused on this pretty uh, pointed and I think strategic message from Alberta's justice minister, Tyler. Chandra, who's essentially telling the RCMP to stand down. He says that Alberta's not going to cooperate with Ottawa on this this gun confiscation program. Uh, that was the phrase that he used. Of course, people reading into this uh, saying, I wonder if this is setting the table uh, to further conversations about an Alberta provincial police force. It's also pretty interesting uh, because the provincial government, uh, by way of Jason Kenney, let's say the premier has condemned. I mean, he's gone up one side, down the other of Danielle Smith's proposed Alberta Sovereignty Act, which would, in, in my by layperson's terms, allow Alberta to pick and choose which federal laws it would follow. It strikes me that this is the same sort of a thing, you know, where Alberta will follow some federal laws, but we will not participate with the federal government uh, when it comes to gun control, especially involving the RCMP. So it's kickstarted conversation again about an Alberta provincial police force. Uh, Mayor Heron, for people that have not heard you on the show before, or in case there's been an update, what's Alberta municipalities' position? on a provincial police service in Alberta. Yeah, uh, Alberta municipalities, <clears throat> excuse me. We represent the towns, villages, summer villages, and the big cities. But there's also the Rural Municipalities Association. I think you've spoken to Paul McLaughlin in past. But I just want to point out that both of those associations, so every municipality in Alberta is opposed to this. Uh, and mostly because of the process. It, there is, um, we have a contract with the federal government to for two, 10 more years, 2032 is when it expires uh, to deliver RCMP services. So there is really no rush to be pushing this Alberta Provincial Police onto Albertans, especially when Albertans um, don't want it. You've got municipalities saying no for lots of good reasons, but the Fair Deal panel, when they explored different options for the UCP government, uh, this was number 14 out of 15 of their recommendations supported by less than 35% of the population. So why they're doing this, I have my, you know, I, I, I still think it's very politically motiv motivated and anti-Ottawa. Tyler Shandro has very clearly said that it's not, and he, he sees some good reasons. And, and don't get me wrong, there's some good stuff in, in the model, um, but we should be doing this with the federal government. We should be doing this with municipalities, uh, with, you know, health services and justice uh, all together instead of the provincial government 
ramming this down our throats. So nothing's changed uh, in our position. And I actually think that the recent decision about the guns, Minister Chandra probably thinks it's another good reason to have our own provincial police force. I personally think it's a great reason to keep the RCMP because I believe that those guns should be gone. And I want the RCMP in Alberta taking those guns away. Huh. Um, I, I, I'm drawing a blank right now. I can't remember the gentleman's name, and I, I guess I owe an apology for that. But we spoke to a, an individual. He's like he's like a, he's like a, you know one of these sort of like intellectuals. Uh, and he's 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 a strategist. He's a business consultant, and he's done a lot of work with the RCMP over the last twenty or thirty years. And we talked to him uh, in the context of the Mass Casualty Commission, obviously following that horrific uh, the, the mass murder in Nova Scotia. I mean, I still can't even wrap my mind around that. And 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 I asked him about this plan, Alberta's plan, or at least this proposal to create an Alberta provincial police force. And this guy who's worked with the RCMP for like 20, 30 years, he says he thinks it's a good idea. Um, as a matter of fact, it was the first time in a long time that we've heard from Minister Shandro's office. They reached out and said, hey, can we have your permission to share that clip? Um, so <laughs> I said, well, it's nice to hear from you guys. Uh, but but uh, so so there was that position. And, and it, you know, it was a reminder to me that I think that when people watch politics, we, we can, people can get pretty partisan, right? And whether it's a, a politician or a party you like or don't like, oftentimes you don't really dig into the policy or the implications. Uh, Dr. Sajad Fazl was on the show yesterday talking about that. He said, we need less partisanship. We need more policy focus. We need people to be thinking about the implications of decisions and why they're good or bad and why they may be good in the short term and bad in the long term or vice versa. So, Dylan, let me ask you this, Councillor Bressy. I mean, when it, when it comes to an Alberta provincial police force, a lot of people will, will, will say, yeah, it's a great idea. But they might think it's a great idea, again, because they have a gripe against Ottawa or because they think that Jason Kenney has great ideas all the time. Some people may think it's a terrible idea, but that may be because they don't like Tyler Shandro or they don't like the UCP. So let's talk about real life implications, the pros and the cons. What's your position or the position of the city of Grand Prairie, if you're comfortable to frame it that way, on a provincial police force? Well, you know, for the city of Grand Prairie, we haven't taken a position yet, although I'd let Mayor Clayton speak to the steps sure. we're taking to do and to take a position. But I know looking province wide, when I hear the province talk about wanting more control from Ottawa and wanting to have more say in Alberta policing, I, I hear them because that's frankly exactly how our members feel when we're talking about the province, when somebody doesn't feel safe in their community or when somebody's bike gets stolen, or when somebody feels that the police have responded to something inappropriately, they don't tend to call their MP. They don't tend to call their MLA. Usually it's their city councilor or the mayor who's getting their phone call. And for us, we really believe that municipal leaders need to be at the forefront of this conversation. And we're worried about a potential huge change to policing where we haven't had a say, despite the fact that we're the people who are primarily responsible for policing and public safety in our communities. The, the way that you answer that question, it, 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 it almost sounds like you could say the exact same thing about EMS. Uh, we've been talking about ambulance service and, and since this show's inception almost two years ago, we've talked to, to mayors, St. Albert and in Edmonton and in Calgary and Lethbridge and Red Deer and Grand Prairie. And I'm thinking of all these, I, I think, regional municipality of Wood Buffalo, Fort McMurray. Um, Kathy, Mayor Heron, has, has there been any improvement with regards to the strain on the EMS system with regards to response times? Uh, I think the average citizen understands that there have been problems, but maybe doesn't have a detailed understanding of exactly why or the source of those issues. Interesting transition uh, in topics because we often talk about the failure that the provincial government has um, 
thrust upon municipalities. So municipalities used to run ambulance services up until 2009, and then the province took it over and has failed. So I always say, well, if they're going to take over policing, what kind of what kind of product are we going to get out of that? Uh, no, there's nothing that's changed. But I, I'm not saying that it won't. Um, they have come up with a 10-point plan, they call it, which is supposed to keep ambulances in local communities. So it's probably good for a city like St. Albert. We haven't seen any data to reflect that yet. But it does put the bigger cities like Calgary and Edmonton at risk. So there is there is some movement. I, I will give the UCP government a lot of credit on this file. Uh, Minister Copping has taken this, taken this issue seriously. I think what we need to stop um, talking about is EMS in particular. And we need to start talking about healthcare in general. Right. Because EMS is just a point in the middle of a, of a health emergency because we have lack of family doctors. That's a huge issue. We need to be expanding, you know, our post-secondaries to train. We need to allow foreign um, credentials to work in Alberta. But if you if you're at risk and you need to get into an ambulance, then when you arrive at the emergency room, emergency rooms are are, are jam packed. There's there's no room. They can't take the, the patients out of emergency and admit them into the hospital because the hospitals are full and they're full because you, there's no long term care. It's a systemic issue of healthcare. And sadly, the EMS are being kind of targeted and and blamed for a lot of this. What what's the situation in in, in Grand Prairie in the the northern part of the province, uh, Councillor? What do you see up there? Well, in our community, I haven't heard as much crisis in our EMS system as many other communities are hearing. I think that might be partly just because we are that larger community and large communities tend to suck the ambulances into them. But uh, there still is a big strain on our healthcare system and our firefighters still are having to respond to calls they didn't used to have to respond to. And I think something that we need to talk about when we're talking about both EMS and policing is we still have this massive opioid crisis. We have many mental health crises and it's sucking in all kinds of resources, all kinds of, of time that used to go to other emergencies and now can't because our systems are just working in this crisis mode, trying to plug a dam that they can't dam because there's this overlying crisis. Um, uh, wanted to mention this as well. I don't have a lot of details on it, but Seif Kaiser reporting for CTV Edmonton has, has noted that apparently Alberta's doctors have reached a deal with the provincial government. Oh. Um, sources confirming that the Alberta Medical Association members ratified the deal today. I'll, I'll reference his reporting. I've not seen the details myself. Um, the details here reported the doctors will see an average 4% increase over three years. Uh, family doctors closer to 8%. So you wonder if that'll bring some stability and, and help with some retainment uh, or recruitment efforts uh, for that matter. So that's an interesting point, and, and that's something that we can follow up on as well, of course, in, in, the, uh, in the weeks and the months to come. I feel like uh, one of the things, I mean, we say real talk. Here's a real observation from me. I feel like we, we just go, oh, yeah, you know, the healthcare crisis. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, the healthcare crisis. Right? Oh, yeah. And everyone's burned out and they don't have staff and there's not nurses in the wards. Oh, yeah, the healthcare crisis. It's like, no, if your family, if you are interacting with or relying on the healthcare system, there is a very real possibility right now that you will not receive the care that you need when you need it. We talked to Andrea Wu. I mean, not apples and oranges, but another province, BC. She's done some great reporting for the Globe and Mail showing that people are not getting access to oncologists or to cancer surgeries when they need them post-diagnosis. And the implications of not seeing an oncologist after a diagnosis are major. 
with regards to the implications for survival. So this is something I know that demands more of our attention. And and of course, a big part of that uh, involves the different levels of government, which is why I'm always curious to pick your brains on that. Uh, Dylan, what was something else that came out of that convention in the last week that was really significant to you that you think members of the public, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, government mechanism and the, and, and, and the nuts and bolts that most people, let's be honest, their eyes would glaze over. But what's something that's relevant to the average Albertan that came out of last weekend's gathering of more than 1,100 people? I know for me, a highlight of convention is always resolution sessions where our members bring forward advocacy positions that they hope the association will adopt. And we had many good ones. Unfortunately, I had to miss a lot of the conversation because my counselor was meeting with a minister, but the city of Grand Prairie got to bring forward one on electricity distribution and equalizing fees across the province. It's always especially fun when you get to talk about something that's relevant to your community at resolution session. And that really is the highlight of entire convention to me is communities across the province trying to figure out what are the advocacy things we're going to do, not just as our own councils, but we're going to do together to try to make a stronger Alberta. Kathy, this is uh, like, is it fair to say that the relationship between Alberta municipal, I don't necessarily mean the organization. Let me, let me clarify the relationship between municipal governments in Alberta and this provincial government has been strained. And we've talked about this at length with regards to who's having, uh, you know, let's say implicate cost implications downloaded on them, including the cost of policing, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Changes to the, to the you know, Municipal Governance Act and those types of things. Um, is this I oftentimes find like when we argue with people on the Internet or when we talk to people through Twitter, when debates happen online, they're rarely productive. When you meet people in person, that's oftentimes where something can gain traction, where some healing can occur, where some progress can be made. Uh, for, for Albertans right now that might be concerned about the state of dialogue or, or maybe cooperation between different levels of government, how would you characterize the state of those affairs today? This continues to be strained, for sure. Um, you know, we, you, hear, you hear provincially elected officials talking about um, their, their, their frustration with Ottawa. And looking for more uh, recognition and more say, and, and that's where Sovereignty Act comes from, et cetera. So that's, if, that, if they're feeling that towards Ottawa, that's, Ottawa, that's exactly how we feel towards our provincial government. It, it's very frustrating that we are duly elected officials. And um, generally, when you see surveys, the most trusted level of government is your local government. Because, you know, my neighbors, the, most people know where I live in this city and they knock on my door. They see me at the store. So we do have. Wait, wait, what, what, what? People, <laughs> people knock on your door of your house? Well, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Or I'll be out mowing the lawn or okay. weeding my garden. Okay. They're polite and they say hi. I feel like there should be some invisible fencing around elected officials' homes. Like, I don't mean literally, but. Yeah, you know. my husband would, would very much prefer that. But, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, but so th you can, that's how I, that's how I describe the frustration we have with the provincial government is we don't feel heard. We don't feel respected, I think is probably um, a bigger point. Of course, we're getting into an election, uh, whether you, it's the UCP leadership conversation or the spring election. This is when we do get heard because they are looking to get, you know, get votes and, and we will bring votes to a party. Absolutely. If, if they're doing something in our favor. So this is a chance for us as, as municipalities to really be loud and vocal. We need infrastructure funding. The other thing is you don't complain so much when your income taxes go up, but you sure complain when your property taxes go up. Cause it's, again, it's so visible. And I was 
looking around the, the convention floor and talking to mayors. And we're looking across this province at like an average of over five or 6% tax increases for every property in Alberta, because of a lot of it is the downloading from the provincial government. Hmm. I for years tried to avoid that word downloading, but there's no better way to say it. We're looking at a 36% uh, reduction in infrastructure. And that's just a that infrastructure money goes to repair your potholes and fix your roads and build new sidewalks. And these are important parts of a community and 36% reduction has to come from somewhere. And we have very little tools in our toolbox to get that money. So it's property taxes. So Mm. it's, and of course we've downloading from the federal government with RCMP contract, not complaining about that. I do believe the RCMP deserved a raise, but it does come at the expense of property taxes. Uh, So it's continues to be strained and we always present ourselves with um, principles and solutions. Mm. We have solutions to a lot of these issues. And um, so we're, we will continue to be friendly, knock on doors, uh, be advocates. Uh, We have to be nonpartisan, although I'm sure we all hold our own personal beliefs. Everybody does. uh, Yeah, of course. yeah, Yeah, we do. Yeah, for sure. But as I said, at the very, very beginning of this interview, we showed equal love to all parties on the floor. And I think they appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, I, I think for us, it, it just is we do get to have different conversations with our residents than leaders at other levels of government do. We don't have to spend a whole bunch of our time working in Edmonton or Ottawa. We, again, people know where we live. They, they know where our kids play soccer. They are swimming next to us in our leisure centers. They or, they're, just, or they're disc golfing with you. Yeah, or they're <laughs> they, disc golfing. They always know where to find Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm easy to find. But we just get to see more of our residents' day-to-day life than officials at higher levels of government do. And I think that is why we know what the day-in and day-out experience of our residents are. I think that's why we know what solutions will work for our particular community. And we just really want to be at the table to help figure out how to make Alberta better, not just as an entire province, but community by community. That takes cooperation. It takes collaboration. uh, And and that's what Alberta Municipalities does. For our audience, if you'd like to learn more about this, you don't have to be a mayor or a counselor uh, to check this out and to have it be relevant. If you go to abmunis.ca, that's the official website of Alberta Municipalities. You could be, you may be an administrator, an elected official. Maybe you're a not-for-profit worker. Maybe you're a a private citizen, a property owner. You want to see what advocacy resources, uh, joint programs, or other membership options are available to you, uh, we invite you to check that out at abmunis.ca. The director of Alberta Municipalities for Cities Up to Half a Million Residents is Councillor Dylan Bressy out of Grand Prairie, and the president of Alberta Municipalities is the mayor of the city of St. Albert, Her Worship Kathy Heron. It's always great to see both of you. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, Dylan, I don't even know the phrases for disc golf. Is it the same as regular golf? Do, 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 I, do I wish you birdies through the rest of your fall season? <laughs> birdies and hole in ones, Ryan. We actually get them in our sport. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're very rare uh, when I'm playing in, in my sport with the club in hand, which reminds me, Mayor, you and I were supposed to get out this summer. We never did. We'll have to make good on that next year. Yeah, for sure. Gonna have you out on the sailboat. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Thanks to the both of you uh, for your work and, of course, the work of the entire team there at Alberta Municipalities. A big shout out to the municipal politicians uh, representing their constituents across the province of Alberta. abmunis.ca is the website.
I, I mentioned that deal between the the doctors and the province, and I offer this caveat that I've not yet had a chance to review it or to see the details, but we did get a message from a physician uh, that joins this show on the regular, and I haven't even read it yet. This is the beauty. John, you know how this goes, right? We do this show live streaming, and so sometimes we get to just pick something up and and do it on the fly. Mm-hmm. And so I heard from Dr. Bradley Martin. You know him out of Hinton, Alberta. Uh, just a, f- a fantastic guy. He's guested on the show a couple of times. He says, I, I just want to uh, let you know, and I'm just reading this cold on the air right now. He says the deal that was signed may have some media reporting that shows doctors are getting a pay increase that's overstated. Um, he says, I knew uh, that physicians were going to get a huge pay increase, and, and I can accept that. But some of the reports that I'm seeing are incorrect. Um, he says, I don't have hard numbers, but I want to let you know the deal has not done anything or won't do anything to stop the exodus of family doctors. He says this will still happen. And he says there probably will be some government spin, but I voted no to this agreement. He says, not just not because I wasn't getting a huge pay increase. Uh, he says, I voted no because the deal still allows non-physician entities. He says, I'm talking about TELUS to bill Alberta Health. This is tax dollars going to a phone company. He says, one thing I will say about the deal, it does give us more negotiating power with the province if they hold up their end, and eventually maybe that would lead to something that could stop the bleeding, the loss of rural and urban family physicians. He says, but given that this government was the one to you know change other laws like Bill 21, they could just tear this up. So I don't know. He says, I'm hopeful that negotiations will start, but I fear that nothing will happen anywhere near a decent time frame to stop the crumbling of primary care in this province. This dovetails nicely with what we just talked about with Mayor Heron and Councillor Bressy, doesn't it? He says, you know, I, I can tell you for a fact, many family doctors had to quit what they were doing for financial reasons. Uh, thankfully, I work rurally where being in the ER can help me supplement my income. Dr. Martin gets personal here. He says, he says, let me give you a perspective. He says, I've been paying debt steadily since I started my practice, and I'm still facing a debt of more than $200,000. He says, my original account to get started, uh, about three hundred and thirty dollars He says, no, this is not a woe is me email. I realize I'm fortunate. He says, but I can state unequivocally that family doctors in this province do not have it as good as people think they do unless they work tirelessly he says anybody is welcome to ask my wife how infrequently i'm home that sucks to hear he says but my biggest beef with all this is the deal does nothing to safeguard against the privatization of medicine now technically speaking that can have merits but the way that this government is setting it up i believe is funneling money through telus and lessening the quality of care he says i don't want (laughs) to He says, I don't want to sound like Millhouse. Nice reference. He says, I'm pro-media, but I do worry that some of the information that's been given to the media from government is not given in good faith, and people need to be as informed as possible. He says, big shout-out, by the way, to Johnny, not from Dr. Brad. Oh, thanks, B-Rad. Hey, there you go, B-Rad. Love that. Checking in from Hinton, Alberta. We appreciate that. We appreciate all the emails you send us. Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can get us anytime. Now, this is a Thursday edition of the show, obviously. Typically, Trash Talk, we save it for Fridays, but tomorrow we'll observe the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. We encourage you to do the same in whichever way is most meaningful for you. Endeavor to learn and understand more uh, about Canada's history and the history of Indigenous people in Canada and what truth and reconciliation actually 
means to you in your own context and what it means in the bigger picture as well. We also have some exciting news that next week we will be moving into our new studio. Take a good look at it. Take a good look at this, everybody. Show here. You're seeing it on YouTube, our <laughs> final show in Studio 1.0. How excited are you to be moving? <laughs> just, there is a pile of cables under this table that I'm not looking forward to following and finding where they go it's it's about this high we're lucky to have you you have your work cut out for you for the next number of days i'm gonna help where i can but we're gonna be spending next week literally hanging monitors and hanging lights and getting microphones installed and getting everything all fired up and and moving in all right and loading the beer fridge up too we're gonna we're, you know we're gonna make sure that the beer fridge is healthy because we might be doing a little more entertaining if you're a patreon supporter of this show there will be implications for you uh, sponsors of our show we're very excited to be able to open the doors on our new location oh, beautiful um, and we're gonna be nice showing that off new kitchen in there oh, big off you got the big office we got a nice green it's not room that big well, come on. <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's all right. Well, you're in a broom closet here, so it's pretty. It's, it's a lot bigger. Yeah, <laughs> we will forever appreciate the memories that this broom closet has afforded us. <laughs> but all of this is to say that real talk is uh, going dark next week. Uh, we're going to be taking f uh, at least five episodes off, and we hope to be back. Our plan is to be back the Tuesday after the Thanksgiving break. And, uh, of course, the best move for you, if you want to stay updated on that, um, is to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Real Talk RJ, and then to subscribe to our Real Talk Sunday message as well. You just go to ryanjesperson.com. You scroll to the bottom of the page. It's our weekly email that goes out that keeps you in the loop. Some little tidbits, some information there that only our email subscribers get. And we thanks uh, we thank the thousands of you that do subscribe to that email. Again, ryanjesperson.com at the bottom of the page. We'll keep you updated on our move into the new studio. You know, these conversations, this whole show, this move to the new studio possible because of uh, subscribers like you, because of our Patreon supporters, and because of our sponsors like the team at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. They've been with us uh, from before the first episode of Real Talk. This is a family-owned business that I tell you gives back to their community. And that includes in the context of truth and reconciliation. Uh, the families there, the, the Cardinal family that owns the Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton and the Lieber family in Sherwood Park uh, have been doing a lot of work uh, within their own business and their own communities uh, to advance meaningful truth and reconciliation conversations. And we applaud them for that. You know, they're going to be open through this weekend at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And we encourage you to check out their Fall Blizzard collection. This includes the Pumpkin Pie Blizzard. And of course, there's that Cinnamon Roll Center Blizzard as well. It's part of the Fall Blizzard menu. And don't forget, if you're looking for that full meal experience at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, their signature stack burger collection blows other quick service burgers out of the water. I personally recommend the Loaded Steakhouse signature stack burger. It's got that onion ring on top, a thing of beauty. You make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you when you head through that drive through window. All right, we wrap up our broadcast week every week. Thanks to our friends at Local Environmental Services with a, a tradition that allows you to blow off a little steam or maybe call some folks to the carpet. We can call it accountability. We can call it a reality check. It's different every single week, but it's always called a trash talk. 
All right, I mentioned this from Marty in Melbourne, and I love this. A little bit of a different take on Trash Talk. He says, thoughts about the podcast and Edmonton from an expat. That's right. Marty writes in to say, I really enjoy the podcast. I just started listening in August after a friend suggested it to me. Thanks, friend. Says, I appreciate the thoughtful dialogue, the balanced perspectives, and the informed guests that you have on. He says, some context. I was born and raised in Edmonton. Spent the majority of my first 36 years of life there. But in the last 10 years, my wife and I left Edmonton, and we've been calling Melbourne, Australia home. He says, just this September, just a couple of weeks ago, I returned to Edmonton to visit family and friends for the first time in five years. And I thought that you and your audience may be interested to hear the perspective of somebody who still feels an affinity with Edmonton, but also has a viewpoint of not having lived there for a significant period of time. I have to say that coming back was a real shock. He says, number one, I can't believe all the cannabis shops. He says, no, weed wasn't legal when I last visited. I am 100% in favor of full legalization. And I believe that doing so was a canny move by the federal government. I was just floored at how many shops there are. There's literally a shop on every block. He says, I visited Saskatoon during my recent trip. I didn't see nearly the same amount on a per capita basis. He goes, I don't know if this is good or bad. It was more of a, like, what the hell? I just got off a 31-hour flight, and now it's surreal that I can buy weed everywhere. He says, number two, the unhoused population. I'm not sure how much of this is due to the economic downturn or or maybe the UCP policies, or, or maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's a combination of all three, but wow, says Marty. He says, I live in a city of 5 million people. There doesn't appear to be nearly the number of, nor the high visibility of homelessness is what I experienced in Edmonton. What struck me was the ubiquitous nature of homelessness across neighborhoods. He says, I saw it everywhere. Downtown, Old Strathcona, Glenora, Clareview. I sincerely hope that this situation improves. It was heartbreaking to witness. And my third observation, says Marty in Melbourne, how pissed off are people in Alberta? He says, I can't quite put my finger on what they're angry about exactly. It seems to be like a lot of anger toward Justin Trudeau, a lot of anger toward the United Conservative Party, and a general feeling that Alberta is being picked on by the rest of the country. He says, now here's my two cents on that. The anger directed to Trudeau is understandable. I'm not going to defend him. I haven't lived in Canada since he's been prime minister. But I can tell you that the former Australian PM during COVID, Scott Morrison, was a horrible leader and an equally shitty person. Now, I voted Conservative, I voted Liberal, and I voted NDP in the past, so I'm not beholden to any specific party. But I can say with absolute certainty that Scott Morrison makes Justin Trudeau look like a cross between Nelson Mandela and Lester B. Pearson. You can just Google his scandals, his bungles that befell Australia. There's too many for me to elaborate on. So, as bad as Trudeau may be, it could be a lot worse. And I'm not sure that the level of vitriol directed to the federal liberals is justified. But again, I don't live in Canada. This is just an outside observation. Says Marty in Melbourne, keep up the real talk and we'll keep tuning in. Well, thanks, Marty in Melbourne. We appreciate your observations and we invite other audience members from around the world to do the exact same thing. You can email us about anything at any time to talk at ryanjesperson.com. As mentioned, you're not going to see our team for a bit over a week. And when we come back, we can't wait to pull the curtains open and show you our brand new studio. It's Real Talk 2.0, and we're super excited. Thanks to having you on the ride with us. Thanks for telling your friends about the show. Thanks for hitting like 
and subscribe. Thanks for reviewing the podcast. And like Marty's pal, whoever it was, thanks for telling everybody else you know to tune in to Real Talk. We'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, technical producer John Hicks, general manager Katie Cook Chivers, account coordinator Lawrence Durlego, human resources Lena Shepard, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Terry Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola. Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.